I'm Joe Dawson Gerard, and this time on Back Your People, I'm talking to John Myhill and Heather Lunny about the importance of positive conversations in people management. We look at how to form the habit of giving positive feedback, practical considerations, and what to do if it all goes wrong. If you like this podcast, please hit follow. And if there's any subjects you'd like us to pick up in later episodes, do get in touch with us through the email in the show notes. And as ever, thanks so much for listening. So this week on Back Your People, we're doing something a little bit different because we had a request from one of our clients saying that they thought it was great to know the law, but actually sometimes the way they delivered that was something that tripped them up. They wanted to have a bit of guidance on positive communications within the workplace, which is a real people management skill, I think. And when I was doing the research for this, I went and had a look and I found a recent study that stated that apparently 86% of employees and executives cite the lack of effective collaboration and communication as the main cause of workplace failures, which was fascinating. But they said, on the other hand, teams who communicated effectively could potentially increase their productivity by as much as 25%. And who doesn't want that? So I wanted to start with you, John. When is this particularly likely to be needed within a business environment in the transport sector? Well, I think basically every day. I don't think there's a single occasion when you couldn't benefit or your people couldn't benefit from having a positive conversation. That is the ideal. What happens in reality, of course, is often quite different. But I think there is a real benefit, and my experience has shown that if you can get to a position where almost it's a culture of positivity, where you're looking out for those points that you can give people some praise for and thank them for, it goes such a long way. So we're looking at making it one of your core behaviours maybe within your business. Absolutely, yeah. It's cultural really, Joe. I think. If you don't have that, because there's a tendency for all of us as humans to focus on the negatives. And if you think about if people are honest and think about the way they tend to manage their people, unless it's somebody that they're working with on a day to day basis where they're having transactional conversations about just getting the job done, the majority of those conversations will probably be about something that needs to change because it's not currently as good as it should be, rather than recognizing something that's been done well and is appreciated. We're going to need to have positive conversations is during appraisals, John. What's your approach to these? One of the mistakes that we often make in organisations is to just have annual appraisals. And if that's the case, it's a very, very long time between one conversation and the next. So wherever possible, I like to promote the idea of having more regular one-to-one meetings simply because it then means that when you get to the point where you're having that final end-of-year conversation, nothing in there is a surprise. So people know what you appreciate of their work and their effort and their performance and their behaviours indeed. But also when you pick up any points where there needs to be some improvement, that's not a surprise either because you've mentioned it as you've gone along in the process. And of course, the key thing there is that people get used to that happening. I think one of the key issues that we have is when we give people positive feedback, they don't honestly know what to do with it. And worst case, they're actually suspicious of it. I think that's right. I know one person who can't take a compliment. If you say something nice, I always just say thank you, but she really struggles with it. And I think perhaps in an environment where one isn't given that many positive comments in an appropriate manner, that must be difficult. Now, Heather, presumably even in negative situations such as a disciplinary grievance meeting, that can be done in a positive manner. It can. And there's the assumption that a disciplinary 
or a grievance investigation, for instance, is always a negative thing because effectively you're potentially being criticised and nobody likes to be criticised and ultimately it can put people on the defensive. And I think it's more about how the style of that meeting rather than the content sometimes can be better managed. Okay, understood. And John, presumably in every conversation, whether it's a more formal disciplinary meeting that Heather's just mentioned or a more informal day-to-day interaction, you should really have a goal in mind. I think so, yes, Joe. If you don't, it's literally aimless. So you will be just going through a conversation and the likelihood of your point coming across clearly, if you don't really know what the point is in the first place, it will be more by luck than judgment, won't it? So I think it's really clear not to have in your mind necessarily what the outcome will be, because that, of course, will be determined by the conversation. Otherwise, you may as well not have the conversation. However, you need to be clear about the fact if you're asking somebody to come into your office or to come and meet you somewhere or even just to have a phone call with you about a given topic, you need to have a clear idea in your mind of what you want to achieve by that, even if you might not know the specific outcome. If only all of my meetings had that at the core of them. Quite. (laughs) And how many do in reality? Not very many, probably not enough. But you mentioned coming into the office, which then brings me on to my next point, which is some practical considerations. What should we be looking at to make someone feel comfortable and make the chat you're having as positive as possible? Well, I think that the overall environment matters. Can I give you an example of when I saw this done particularly poorly? Yes, please. Uh, One evening I was coming back down the M6 motorway late at night and I sat down to have a cup of coffee next to a trellis with some fake flowers climbing up it. Nice. And it was really nice. It was a classy place. And then on the table on the other side, I could hear some people come and sit down and it was the manager from the coffee outlet with her regional manager and for about three minutes i listened to her absolutely laying in there's no other way of doing it it was a great example of how not to have a conversation with somebody and they clearly had assumed that they were not being overheard so i put up with it for that long and then just had to put my head over and say i just need to make you aware of the fact i can hear your conversation so even though they might have felt that it was a comfortable situation although it certainly wasn't for one of them <laughs> it wasn't. You know, they, they were easily overheard. So I think that's a really extreme example of the fact that you do need to, if you want to have a meaningful conversation with somebody where they're going to be open with you, then you need to make them feel as comfortable as possible. So that probably comes down as much to the formality that comes from sitting either side of a table, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Which sometimes we can use to our advantage, to be honest. But other times, that's the last thing you want. So sitting side by side with somebody, and often with, if you can have something that breaks it, a, a cup of coffee or something in your hand, just so there's a focus other than just sitting either staring at your feet or staring at one another, it's helpful. So putting them at ease, isn't it, is the key thing. Absolutely. Sometimes making a cup of tea for someone, it's a bit like handing out an olive branch. I don't mean that in putting yourself in a situation where you're saying sorry for something, but I mean, Mm. almost like you're welcoming someone to have a positive interaction with you. Yeah. And also, I think sometimes bearing in mind that a lot of our clients and the listeners to this podcast are possibly in the transport industry. In vehicles is a great place to have conversations sometimes. If you're doing something positive and you want people to be more willing to accept it, not sitting face to face and sitting next to another in a car or a vehicle can be great. It works with teenagers too. 
was about to say it definitely works for my teenage son. So looking at location, timing is also presumably something important. I wouldn't go for someone who's hangry. Definitely after lunch is always a bit of a winner or mid-morning. Absolutely, yeah. And make sure that you have considered when would be most convenient for them as well. Don't just do it simply based on what's best for you. Understood. And Heather, if the meetings are more formal meeting, what about having someone else present? depends on the type of meeting we've got to be mindful that there are certain employment rights in terms of representation and being accompanied at various formal meetings informal meetings again it would depend on the subject matter but it's always beneficial i think to have somebody else present if it's appropriate more of a witness than anything else sometimes as if there's a dispute as to who said what so i think it depends on the nature of the discussion you're having and also obviously being mindful of various rights as well i think once you're in the conversation there were some things i want to just talk about which will seem normal to most people but to other people they'll forget i'll just give you two examples and maybe john could then come up with some others because this is more your remit but one was we have two ears and one mouth for a really good reason that is one needs to listen perhaps more than speak i perhaps need to work on that and the other thing i was thinking about was make sure you switch off your phone and be respectful to the other person that's with you. What about you, John? What other ideas have you got? Yeah, well, I I absolutely agree with those two. I think one of the worst things you can do is if you ask somebody to give you their time, that you don't then give them yours. If you're asking somebody and give them your undivided attention, it's not a long period of time we're talking about. It's so easy now to get distracted, isn't it? So if Mm -hmm. it's possible, don't use devices. Laptops can be a barrier, can't they? And as much as you might like to take some notes of the meeting, because it's easier if you do it during the meeting, it would be if you had to allow some time afterwards, just plan into your diary five minutes after the meeting just to make some notes rather than doing them in the session, because that in itself can be a real barrier. And when you're having the conversation, I think getting the balance, as you say, Joe, the balance between the amount of talking that you're doing and the amount of talking that they're doing is key. And it will tend to be heavily in your benefit, if you like. You'll do more talking than they will. And of course, this all very much depends on the person who's sitting on the other side of the table. But I always try to aim for 80-20. So I'll do 20% of the talking. They'll do 80. Now, that sounds like a really tough thing to achieve. And it is. But it's a really good target because it makes you think about just answering a short question and giving them an opportunity to respond to it. When you're talking about a negative issue or a positive one, I think that's really helpful. And then the other way that I'd apply that 80-20 while I think about it is just to the overall feedback balance. So if you think about how many times you speak to somebody during the course of a working week, try and make it so at least 80% of those conversations are to say thanks or recognize something that they've done well. And if you do that, when you do have something that you need to address, they're far more likely to be able to deal with it and probably respect your opinion more. As Brits, we're not really programmed to give thanks on a regular basis, are we? we well, we're very polite. I think it's easier to pick up on people's faults than their positive attributes. And I think that's a shame. I think we take people for granted is the honest truth. It's uncomfortable sometimes, but we do tend to take people for granted. And we might think, oh, that was really good. I'm grateful for that. But do we tell them? Probably not. I think some of the other things are important is to stay calm, keep your voice low, not get involved in any arguments or debates. And if the tension rises, stop it straight away. 
Yeah. And be aware of the fact that some things might get emotive and might get emotions raised and just try and preempt them as far as you can. Do you think language, being clear and also staying on topic is important in these situations, John? Yeah, very. First of all, I think it's important to uh, trying to avoid language that might be emotive which is largely about sticking to things that are factual, I think, but also just to be aware of the fact that what you do say may encourage an emotional response and try and preempt that as far as you can. So that if something does go where you fear it might do, either because somebody's a bit giggly and is embarrassed about receiving the, the feedback that you're giving them because they're not used to the positivity or because the negative message doesn't go down well, you're forewarned really. And the other thing, of course, is just to be clear about the message. If you've got something you want to communicate, think about it first, possibly make a note of what your key point is, because in the height of the occasion, you might forget it. But just make sure that you're crystal clear about what you expect from them, what you're pleased with, what you want to change, and ideally, what should happen next. You've got a favourite saying, haven't you, John? And it's one of my favourite sayings too. I have. So I've pinched this from Brene Brown and I use it frequently. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And then, Heather, what are the, some of the legal considerations we need to think about when we're having any conversation with an employee? I think we've got to remember that they are still employees and we need to still be respectful of all the various employment laws and employment rights. And whilst we can have informal, positive conversations or even informal feedback conversations that aren't necessarily all positive we need to keep a note of that i always say it comes down to having a paper trail often when things go wrong so you could for instance face a claim for constructive dismissal because somebody has taken offence to something that's happened at work and they bring a claim, they won't necessarily bring up the fact that there's been positives or positive conversations have happened. They will focus on the negative. So if you've no paper trail of that, of those positive conversations you've had, there's no evidence. Whilst you you may approach an informal basis, you still treat it as a formal meeting in the sense that you would always keep a record of it, even if it's a handwritten note with the date and that's just placed on the file. Understood. And what happens when things go wrong? We've all been in a situation where we've had work with someone who's run into the toilets crying or there's been a tantrum or they refuse to come and see you. John, how can one get the balance of the two individuals right in these situations? Well, they're clearly really difficult, aren't they, to deal with these? And I'm sure anybody who who manages people has had situations like this. And I think the, the first thing is to not to respond to that in the way that you might naturally wish to. The obvious example would be if somebody starts to get a far more aggressive tone in the way that they're talking to you, the worst thing you can do is rise to that. So what we're looking to do, some people might be familiar with the idea of transactional analysis. It's been kicking around for 
60 years or so now. And that's about just trying to keep, stick to the facts, keep to an even tone and try and manage to have an adult conversation with people. So you're just trying to bring people back down to a level or back up to, depending on which way the emotions have gone, to a situation where you can have a professional conversation again. And sometimes that just involves giving them some time. We always say it's beneficial to have that cooling off period. So if things are getting too heated or emotions are running too high and an employee storms out, for instance, or something to that effect, give them that cooling off period and then start it again the next day. Pick it up when everybody's had a chance to calm down. I think our ultimate aim is in any interaction in the work environment, we want it to be between what we'd say two adults as opposed to an adult and a child. Yeah. And I think if you can do that, if you approach it like that, you're likely to come out with what we would broadly call a win-win situation. So the other person might not always entirely agree with what you've said or appreciate what you've told them, but they'll understand it. And it won't feel as if there's been a shouting match, which is, of course, the worst situation you can find yourself in when you're dealing with somebody at work. So coming towards the end of our time now, I'd like to ask in this instance, John, for his three top takeaways, please, John, on communicating positively with the people in your business. OK, so the first thing I say is if you try and do this in isolation, it will be difficult So try and make it more of a cultural thing. So focus on the positives as I said before, and try and look at that 80-20. So four out of five interactions that you have with somebody are about something positive rather than just focusing on the negatives because then they'll just feel that you're a whinger or you're a moaner. So therefore, you need to be aware, as my second point, you need to be aware of these positive things to pick them out and give thanks where they're due. And don't take the approach of, well, why would I thank them? I pay them for it. Most of us respond and we'll give you more performance if we just get the odd thank you and a bit of praise every now and then. And be consistent with that. Don't just do it today because you remembered it. I actually used to literally have a post-it note on my PC screen to remind me that I needed to go and give people some positive feedback. Shocking that I needed that reminder. (laughs) But some days I really did. It's actually a really good idea. And your third one, John? I would go with clear is kind and clear is unkind. Fantastic. John and Heather, thanks for your time today. Okay, thank you, Joe. Thanks, Heather. Thank you.